You're listening to Watching Friends on the HyperX Podcast Network. Welcome back to Watching Friends. It's episode 19 of season two, the one where Eddie won't go. I'm Ryan, and take any podcast host you can get and don't make on the floor. And I'm Mark. Who wants one of my phallic-shaped mancakes? Mmm, that's tasty. <laughs> I wish everyone said that. <laughs> it's such a horrible line. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, do, I do wonder, the line in the show, like if it's ad-libbed or if it was actually always that. Because it, it, it feels like it is... Um, Phoebe basically just... Well, not Phoebe. Um, Lisa Kudrow. Just, yeah. just, you know, seeing that object and saying it and then just go, no, nope, that's fine, just go with it. That's dead. It's one of, I guess it's a sign of a great show and cast where you have a great line and you can't tell where it came from. Like, yeah. you're like this could have just been how good the cast are I, or it could have been great writing. Because she does, like, have a, a, a slight awkward pause as she's saying it. So I do wonder if she's, like, thinking up some different things to say. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, I guess. We shall. We open on a happily snoozing Chandler all tucked up in bed. And we're straight into our first clip of the episode, Mark. Oh, are we? Well, I'm not, I'm not even ready to, for that. So uh, <laughs> here we go. Hey, Eddie. <laughs> what are you doing here? Nothing, Rumi. Just watching you sleep. Why? Makes me feel, um, peaceful. <clears throat> Please. I can't sleep now. Oh, you, you want me to sing? Yeah. Look, that's it. It's over. I want you out. I want you out of the apartment now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, are you, what are you talking about, man? Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> Better roommate than you. No. Uh, see, now I don't think you're being fair. I mean, one night you see me and you get scared. I mean, well, what about all the other nights when you don't see me, huh? <laughs> what about last night when you went and got a drink of water and I was nice enough to hide behind the door? What's that about, huh? I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Get out now. Okay. You really want me out? Yes, please. Okay. Then I want to hear you say it. I, I want to hear you say, you want me out. I want you out. No, no, no. I want to hear it from your lips. <laughs> Where did you hear it from before? Oh, all right. All right. But you know what, Pally? I understand. Consider me gone. You know what? I'll be out by the time you get home from work tomorrow. So, do you remember the film Paranormal Activity? Yes. And it's many... Terrible sequels, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like the the first one was like a, a big big thing. Even though when I watched, it, I was like, okay, the bed sheet moved once. Like that's not scary. Um, but there, I'm. It reminds me. This clip reminds me like a, a scene in that film or, or similar films where there'll be a person standing at the foot of the bed, and like obviously they're, they're sped up through the film. They're just kind of like slowly shaking, sort of thing. jittering about. Yeah, because it's all sped up. I think that is like more creepy than ghosts or anything spooky. Just just someone standing over you in silence. Yeah, it's really really creepy and weird. It's just gross. But the reason why I went straight into that clip is because it relates to something that happened in my life recently. <laughs> okay, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> I decided that I don't really pay enough attention to how much sleep I get or how I sleep. So I downloaded an app called Better Sleep that basically activates your microphone for your entire night of you sleeping and then records what happens essentially and tells you, you know, were you snoring, were you doing this, were you doing that? Right. I would attest that I don't snore. Partners would say I do. This app is on their side. <laughs> Every 45 <laughs> minutes it told me I snored. Yeah. But then at like four in the morning, 
I kind of wished I had an Eddie in my room because apparently at four in the morning, I had a like eight minute conversation with myself while I was asleep. <laughs> but when I tried to press play on the app, it wants 40 pounds for a year subscription for me to find out what I said. And I'm like, no, I'm not that curious. But I was kind of thinking if I had an Eddie, I could have just asked him. Yeah, you could have. So kind of is it is it that creepy? Because you know if you're I, gonna, I, I I guess this is why you're always tired, wake up tired because you've been having conversations with yourself in the morning. <laughs> Maybe I'm just recording podcasts in my sleep. <laughs> Maybe, but can you watch me sleep and then you can tell me what I say? I would rather not do that. <laughs> I, I, I think that'd be worse for me watching you. You know what? If you if you subscribe to our Patreon, the top tier, you can watch me sleep. <laughs> tell me what Wait, I say. Yeah, yeah. We if we get a few more patrons, then Ryan will buy the clip of himself talking and we'll release it. And he's now got, got a worried look on his face. Yes. Yeah, I'm not quite <laughs> What did I say? Oh, no. <laughs> Plans for world domination. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's literally all I was thinking. I was like, I could have had Eddie. But that's creepy as hell, sitting in a washing channel sheet. Well, because Eddie starts out fine. Like, you know, they meet at the grocery store. He moves in. You know, Chana doesn't know him very well. And he seems fine, yeah? Yeah. And then he starts getting a bit weird. And then he does this. Like, as, as soon as this happens, I think they're, they're out. Just straight away. At the, at the same time, like, Chana doesn't have a lock on his door, but any time I've been in, like, a shared house, everyone normally has, like, locks on their doors. I'd have a deadbolt on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he is weird. It's not even just that he's done it this once. He's like, what about the other time when I hid behind the door? <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is a funny joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's actually, you know, he's almost self-aware of what he's doing. He's like, you know, I was polite. I hid behind the door for you. It's not surprising Eddie got thrown out. Imagine if you were his partner and you were just lying there and you wake up and Eddie's just like leering over you. Yeah. But no, get out, Eddie. Yeah. No, I don't. It's, it's always weird. Like there's, there's always stories of people uh, having things done to them when they were asleep or whatever. And they're like, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize this was happening to me. And for me, I'm like, I could wake up for anything generally. Um, except for thunderstorms. Like thunderstorms I can sleep through. But, you oh, know, okay. if, if, someone, if someone like, you know, tried to get into the bed with me, I'd be up instantly. It wouldn't be like, oh. Totally oblivious to it. Ah, I could sleep for pretty much anything. Um, a bomb could go off next door and I would not notice. Um, apparently I fall asleep immediately and it always irritates people. Oh yeah, that would irritate me. Um, like like a switch, essentially. It's just <laughs> like, I remember being a teenager with like sleepovers and stuff and people would be trying to carry on the conversation about what had happened that night and I'd already be asleep. <laughs> or I've had partners in like really deep conversation like, and then I want to try this and this would fulfill my life's dream. And they look across and I'm like... <laughs> Gone, like immediately. <laughs> you know, I feel like if you was on a school trip, you would be the kid that had shaving cream put into his face because, yep. you know, you'd be asleep straight away. We, we used to do a thing called flowering at house parties. Um, it's maybe a local thing. I don't know. Um, but essentially, the first is it, person, is it like jumping in bushes? It's not jumping in bushes <laughs> or holding your breath in tunnels. <laughs> no. It's essentially, if you'd be at a house party, the first person to fall asleep would get flowered. So you would just get a, like a fistful of flour, like you know, cooking flour, yeah. waking flour. And then you'd wake them up and go, dude, wake up, wake up. And they go, huh? And the second their mouth opens, you just chuck this entire handful <laughs> of flour into their mouth and it goes all over their face and there wasn't in their mouth because the mouth's wet, it gets all gloopy and gross. And it, it's horrible, it's absolutely horrible, but it was hilarious. Well, I'm glad this is going out in a few weeks' time because you're due to go around a friend's house this weekend. You want me to and, it, and if you still, yeah, I think you should. I think, <laughs> think you can report back if he enjoyed it or not. If I get loose flour anywhere in that house, his girlfriend is going to kill me. <laughs> I'm not that brave. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but fortunately, I've never been flowered because you know survival instincts kick in, and then I don't fall asleep first because <laughs> you, you can't. No. Especially with how much hair I've got. If they shave my head, that'd be that'd be horrible. I'd have to hit, I'd have to hit them. 
Yeah, I'm just looking at you with like shaved eyebrows and no no hair, no beard. Depends on a bald head. <laughs> yeah, entirely. you just like, <laughs> just like an egg, right? Just a freak. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, but then we get our title credits of the show, which we always have raw credits in our podcast notes, and I always get confused when I read them back and think we've done our credits already, but we mean the show. Well, well, yeah. So I I always put them in because I feel like the the bit before them generally doesn't relate to the episode. It's just like a, a funny skit where they just have a little joke and generally it doesn't relate to the rest of it but sometimes it does Fair. um but yes yeah, for me it's just a i guess like a marker to say there was this scene and now we're actually into the episode yeah true that makes sense but we join rachel monica and at central park as joey walks in wearing a jaunty hat i do like the way he uh says that he's wearing a jaunty hat Look, that's a weird word for him to use it's a great word though yeah it's not a toilet paper still and the girls tease him about his hat but he's in much better spirits about losing his job and days of our lives now he figures that surely having been on the show has some like kind of you know cachet he's gonna count somewhere and i can you know i'm kind of i'm kind of with him like you would think that having an opportunity would help well yeah it, it definitely does right like uh, certainly unlike your cv it doesn't matter how amazing you are it depends where you used to work generally yeah and you just basically work your way up so yeah him saying you know i was you know a major character on a soap opera should really help. Um, and I, I, maybe this is a, a good time to, to start talking about this, is that a lot of soap actors generally either stay in the soap, and I, I don't want this to sound kind of rude, but maybe that's all they can do, because there's a lot of soap actors that do try and leave and try and do something better, and they either fail and disappear, or they come back to that soap years later if they haven't been killed off. True. Uh, I, I can certainly think of quite a few. So in, in the UK, there's a famous soap called EastEnders. And it's all about living in East London and has lots of people shooting each other and uh, infidelity and all that sort of stuff. Being miserable. Mostly. Yeah, yeah, pretty much right. And uh, there, there's certainly a lot of like actors in there who have gone, you know, I've been doing this for four years. I'm a major star in this, in this soap. I'm going to go off to do Hollywood or whatever. And you never hear from them ever again. No. And... I, I have to wonder, is it just because people look down on soap actors or maybe they're not as good as, you know, film actors or maybe they're just like their agents or them just don't have the push to to try harder? I think a lot of it is I think production teams worry about them being bigger than the role in the sense of... Uh, the biggest example I can think of would be Martin McCutcheon, who was Tiffany in EastEnders mm-hmm. for years and one of the most popular characters. She left the show at kind of like the height of that character's popularity and I guess the height of her soap fame. And she had a bit of a singing career that didn't last very long. But she did manage to land a role in Love Actually, which is a pretty big picture, to be mm-hmm. fair. Um, and then she kind of vanished after that. But when you watch the movie, you are kind of like, oh, it's Tiffany from EastEnders. And I right. love that film. But even when I watch it now, I'm like, it's Tiffany from EastEnders. So, so is that because... That's just in your head, or is that how she's acting? She basically can only play no completely different character. character. Um, okay. It's just because you see that face, you know, five times. If you when, when I used to watch soaps, you'd see that mm. face five times a a week, and it would just be so ingrained in you. It's like June Brown who played Dot Cotton. Yeah, they, anything you saw her in, it, it was it was Dot. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered. Same with um, what's her name, the one who played Peggy. I, I, I did not watch these things that much. Oh, it's gonna I, 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 I know it's Barbara she, Windsor. Yeah, Dane, there you go. Dane is, Barbara Dane, Windsor. Yeah. yeah, like you couldn't see her in anything and not think that's Peggy. No, but but she she was a film actress before she went into soaps, so that's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, she definitely was well more well known for the soaps than for anything else. Oh no, she was definitely well known for the Carry On films. I th- I mean, maybe it's an age thing. If you showed her a picture of young 
Barbara Windsor, maybe you'd get a carry-on reference. Yeah. If you showed her anything from like the age of 40 onwards, you'd show someone that picture and they'd be like, get out of my pub! <laughs> <laughs> so that's like all you remember. Because uh, Home and Away, which is an Australian soap, that had many actors who went on to, to big things like Kylie Minogue. That was Neighbours, Mark. Neighbor, sorry, Neighbours. Get your soaps uh, right. Clearly I spend too much time yeah, watching yeah, soaps. Yeah, you do. You do. But, but yeah, like Neighbours had quite a few actors uh, who went on to bigger and better things. Uh, you had like Jason Donovan. Who was the other girl who was in the Street Fighter? Was she in the Street Fighter movie? That was Kylie Minogue, yeah. Uh, no, who's the, there was another one. She was in the te- was it the Tekken movie, I think. Holly uh, Valance. Holly Valance. Yeah, she had like a music career and all sorts of things, right? So, yep. um, Kiss Kiss was the thing. Yeah. Know, it was awful, but it, really catchy. It, it was quite big, yeah. yeah. So it's, it, it is interesting to think, like, do... Do people who like star in soaps, you know, are they looked down upon? And in some ways, I think maybe they are. Like people do just go, well, you're just a soap actor. And maybe some of it is actually their acting is not good enough for films. Like it's fine for soaps and TV daytime stuff. Like Joey, certainly. Like if he was in a film, no. I mean, I guess in terms of it's a weird thing to consider in kind of casting, but like I guess a good lookingness or attractiveness, soaps tend to cast relatable looking people even the really yes. pretty people you get in soaps still look like they could live next door to you yeah whereas you watch a movie and you've got Kira knightley in it and you're like okay she's really really pretty like yeah. she just doesn't actually lives next door to me whereas a soap actress potentially would i mean yeah joey wouldn't have that issue i guess though that's true fair <laughs> point yeah but while we're back on to joey his use of the word cachet did not go unnoticed monica comments on the use of this word and turns out chandler gave joey some word of the day toilet paper yeah, novelty toilet paper was a weird thing in the 90s, wasn't it? I mean, I'm all for word of the day toilet paper. That's, that's great. Yeah. I might buy some. <laughs> I think well, I'd be disappointed if I didn't learn any new words, though. I feel like it's quite expensive for, you know, what you use it for. Probably not good for the planet, even, <laughs> no, to be fair. No. <laughs> like, maybe I could just put a dictionary in the bathroom <laughs> and just read a word a day. That might be a bit more helpful. But uh, Phoebe joins the gang, and then she and Monica immediately start, ch- start talking about a book called be your own wind bearer. Hey. Oh, so, 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 did you read the book? Oh, my God. It was incredible. Didn't it, like, totally speak to you? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. what book is this? Oh, Rachel, you have to read this book. It's called Be Your Own Windkeeper. Oh, it's about how women need to become more empowered. Yeah, and, oh, and, but there's, there's wind. <laughs> and the wind can make us goddesses. But do you know who takes our wind? Men. They just take it. <laughs> Men just take our wind. Yaha, all the time. Because they are the lightning bearers. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds kind of cool. It's kind of like The Hobbit. It is nothing like The Hobbit. So I guess you've got to remember, mid-90s was very much girl power. Yep. Definitely with the Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. Zig zig R. <laughs> you can't say the Spice Girls and not get a zig zig R mark. Oh, that's definitely going on the soundboard. <laughs> but, but you know, like the, the Midnight is was very much like girl power and positivity, and it, it's carried on since then, right? And, and certainly, like these sort of books tie into that a little bit. Um, and I guess I, you know, I don't want to come out with any hot takes, but these sort of books are probably not very good for people. I've got some hot takes on these books later. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll get to it later. Yeah. Um, the reason this clip exists, though, is because Rachel makes a reference to The Hobbit. Okay. And Rachel does not seem like she's a Hobbit-type person. 
I feel like Rachel, like it makes sense for, for me because like Rachel is probably someone where you wouldn't assume this, but she will probably have these weird quirks of where she's really into something obscure or geeky like that. And you'd be like, what? You're you're into The Hobbit and the whole Lord of the Rings universe? She'd be like, yeah, like as if it's like perfectly normal, which it is. But you're like, I would never expect that of you. Well, the way Rachel is normally portrayed, especially when we see young Rachel, her <laughs> sitting down and reading a fantasy novel just doesn't enter my head. Like, if Ross got her to read The Hobbit and it was one of their, like, uh, let's get to know each other as, as people type yeah. relationship trades, like, you know, you read this, I'll read that. You watch this, I'll watch that. That would make sense to me if that's how Rachel knew what The Hobbit was. But the idea that Rachel read The Hobbit as a kid, I really like. It makes me like Rachel a bit more. I, I assume it's probably something she's read at school and then actually realised she really enjoys that stuff. But because of, I guess, her clique and her social group, probably didn't explore that much more. Yeah. I mean, technically, it's, you know, are bad for having assumptions, but yes. it, it did just surprise me that, you know, the word The Hobbit came out of Rachel. I was like, oh, like that despite you know what that was. Just assume she wouldn't. Yeah, Rachel is certainly very surprising. The more we look into her, her character, like, yeah, all these little things pop out, and you're like, actually, yeah, she's not as one-dimensional as you kind of assume she is. Yeah, there's a lot more depth there than I think we give Rachel or Jennifer Aniston credit for. Yeah. We're good at giving credit where credit's due <laughs> on the show, man. Uh, but Monica and Phoebe continue talking about the book and mention how men are always drinking from their pool of inner power and God forbid they should get to take a sip. <sighs> and, I mean, again, I've got... What are they talking about? I have zero issue with examining the power imbalance between the genders, but can you at least use plain English? Like, these books are infuriatingly vague and there's all these weird poetic nonsenses in there. Well, I, I was going to get into this with Ross in a, in a moment when Rachel confronts him about all this, but... Let's, let's talk about it now. So Ross, I think, like a lot of men, he's probably like more logical, whereas women kind of come more from like the heart, I guess. And maybe I'm completely wrong with this assumption. But like later on in the episode, you know, Ross is like, oh, we need to go now. And Rachel's like, no, we don't, you know, you keep like stealing my wind. You know, why do we have to go with your timetable? And he's like, but it's the movie's timetable. That's what we're doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm just following the timetable of the film. Whereas, you know, Rachel is kind of going more with her feelings of how she wants to do things. Yep. And certainly in, you know, relationships and, and friends' relationships that, that we know, you, we can certainly see, like, this different dynamic with them. Like, we'll see, like, our, our male friends be like, oh, my girlfriend's upset with me. And it's like, what did you say? And they'll say this. They're like, okay, well, you said that very logically. And yes, whilst I totally understand that makes sense, I can see why your girlfriend is upset at that because you didn't take like the feelings into account of how you're saying it or what you're talking about. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's kind of like indicative of modern debate and like social policy, I guess, where people just have an immediate emotional response to things and that's the response they lead with. Mm. And then that's where these kind of conversations, especially when it comes to things like equality, start to fall down because very little can be achieved by holding on to the past. You have to look forwards to fixing the future and not ruminating on the past. Yeah. So when it's just kind of like, wow, you're a man, so meh, it's like, well, yeah. okay, well, that's not productive, is it? How are we going to get anywhere if you're just going to screech at me about the evils of the patriarchy from a time period where I wasn't born in a world in which it does not exist anymore in the same way? Uh, it just, it's just frustrating because no, no logical person is going to stand there and go, yes, that was the way the world should be. Whereas when you screech at me about how change in the world and this needs to change, or you don't have any logical facts to back anything up or statistics, I don't really want to have the conversation because all yeah. I'm going to get from you is raw emotion. And while that's a perfectly valid feeling, 
it's not the part of a start of a conversation. Because like, I, f- I feel like for both of us, we're probably both feminists, even if we wouldn't use that word. Like, I, I, I hate that word because a lot of people misunderstand it. Mm-hmm. For, for me, I think everyone is equal, right? Um, you know, which I guess is what feminism is about. Supposedly. But... And originally, I guess. Yeah, yeah but, but the, the word takes on different things. But so, so for me, I'm like, everyone should be kind of equal and treat everyone equal. You know, there, there is no difference between any of us that, in that sort of way. But certainly with, with girl power and how it's like transformed, it's certainly going in weird directions for, for both men and women. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, very topical at the moment is um, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp and being in uh, court at the moment. Um, and there, there's a lot of st- weird stuff going on there where, where basically people are siding either with, with Amber or Johnny. And it seems to be potentially the truth is that, that basically Amber is in the wrong in, in everything that's gone on. But there's a lot of people who are defending her because they don't want to like shut women down. Yeah, if you, you have to kind of give Amber a free pass for any lies or exaggerations, because if you dismiss and Amber's claims of domestic violence, that somehow leaves the door open to dismiss all claims of domestic yeah. violence, which is when these conversations become nonsense. And obviously Johnny is a white cis male and privileged and blah, blah, blah. And, and I guess my point is, is like getting to this book is we get into like kind of that argument mm. of where it's like, you know, women are better than men or men are better than women you know the opposites of that yeah it becomes an identity politics conversation yeah. instead of an a conversation about the politics of identity which are two entirely separate things yeah and and so that this book does wind me up because it's not a hey you know everyone should be okay and yes men do things wrong and you know women do things wrong or women could be better in this regard or treated better in this regard or men could be treated better in this regard it's yeah there's more about the book i don't like uh, <laughs> which we'll get to but joe returns from the till and what do they call that? Is it the counter? Because like, I wrote till, and I was like, that's like a very English phrase. I'm like, what do Americans call? Yeah, it'd be, the, be the counter. Check out, yeah. cash for, I don't know, whatever the American version is, it's a till to me. Well, if you think of it like a bar, isn't it? You wouldn't be like, I'm at the till, you'd be at the bar, wouldn't you? So like, yeah, at the at Central Park, you'd be at the, the counter. The counter, all right. Yeah. He returns from the counter, and he offers the girl a crawler, which I think is a yum-yum. Some kind of pastry. <laughs> okay, well, you should probably explain what a yum yum is to everyone. A yum yum is basically a phallic shaped donut, <laughs> like an elongated donut that doesn't have a hole in the middle, uh, covered in sugar. Um, that's what that looks like. But I tried yeah. to look into what a crawler was, and Google didn't seem to know. No, like I guess like a like a churro, but sweeter. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. America has some really weird like pastry things where you're looking like that looks familiar, but I have no idea what it is. Like I, I certainly remember when I went to Disney World, there was like we've got French toast. I was like French toast. What's that? Oh, it's just toast with like butter on. That sounds amazing. What I didn't realize was French toast has sugar in it. It does, yeah. And it's very, very sweet and not spready at all. It's like that Al Murray line about. What's the difference between a cannoli and a cannoli is just a pasty someone didn't bother to shut? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, fair enough. Yeah, so I, I don't know what a crawler is. So yeah, hopefully one of our American listeners can explain to us what a yeah. crawler is. But he offers the girls one, to which Phoebe replies, typical lightning bear behaviour. Hello, who wants one of my phallic-shaped mancakes? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great line. Um, which is, I assume that lightning bearers is meant to be in reference to Zeus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Greek god, who's described, you know, he's a classical misogynist. Like, there's there's no argument about Zeus. He was definitely a misogynist. Um, 
But what confused me about the book I get, at first was the Greek gods associated with the wind are all male. Okay. So I was like, does that track? Because as strange it sounds, maybe it's saying be your own wind bearer because in this version of the mythology, men carry the wind and the wind is male, so women will carry their own wind and kind of had a metaphor tracks. But it just seemed a bit weird to me that you'd use wind bearer when they're not particularly feminine gods, they're still male gods. Yeah. But maybe that's the point. Or maybe the book's just nonsense and it's nowhere near that deep. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was looking at the thickness of the book. It looks about 50 pages thick, so... I don't, I don't think it goes that deep. Yeah, it's just me being, a, a, I guess, a bit of a classics nerd. But I was just like, I want, I want the mythology of this fictional book explained. <laughs> Give me a whole episode explaining the book. Uh, but thankfully, my confusion disappears and we leave the cafe and get more Estelle. Don't worry about it already. Things happen. So you're not mad at me for getting fired and everything? Joey, look at me. Look at me! Do I have lipstick on my teeth? No. Uh, can we get back to me? Look, honey, people get fired left and right in this business. I already got you into audition for another world. All right. Cab driver number two? You're welcome. But I was Dr. Drake Remore. How can I go from being a neurosurgeon to driving a cab? Things change. Roll with them. But this is a two-line part. It's like taking a step backwards. Uh, I'm not going to do this. Joey, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told Al Minza and his pyramid of dogs. <laughs> Take any job you can get and don't make on the floor. I'm sorry. See I, I think with a lot of jobs, you sometimes do have to go step back to go step forward. And certainly with acting, like you, you can't be like, hey, I was the lead role. I can only do lead roles from now. Like sometimes you have to, you know, just have a bit part here and there just to just have your face still out there. Yeah, I mean, the worst thing on a resume is a gap. Hmm. Like that's what, no matter what role or job you're going for, a gap in your hiring history always looks suspicious. Um, you know, even, oh, in the gap, yeah. It's like, no, you just got drunk for you, didn't you? Like, yeah, um, yeah. you're just going to assume a, a gap in a resume is probably not a good thing. So, in, in the case of acting, where work is so kind of few, few, few and far between, yeah, I'd take any job you can get. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you want the money. And as we know, they, they can earn potentially quite a bit of money just for like a, a day's work, right? Uh, but I, I get what Joey's saying. Like, he, he's gone from being Dr. Drake Remore, but at the same time, if you don't watch that soap, you probably don't care. He was Dot Straight Room. No, I mean, it's a pretty big soap, but again, so is EastEnders, and you don't yeah. watch it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't always. It's the same with like YouTubers, where they're like, this YouTuber has 10 million followers. Like, I have no idea who he is. No one else does. Only those 10 million followers. Yeah, I'm going to sound like an old man, but the like, there was a an advert for a convention that's happening soon, and it was like, it wasn't called StreamerCon, but it might as well have been called StreamerCon. And it was just like four faces and weird sounding usernames oh, yeah. I'd never heard of. And I was like, who are these people? But apparently they're big enough to warrant their faces being on a poster. Well, there, there was one recently called Tockfest, which was a TikTok festival. And it was like, come and meet Jimmy B and Jimmy A and Michelle. And it's like, okay, they're just names. They're, who are they? Like, where was, you know, a lot, a lot of TV presenters, people were aware of them. Um, but yeah, jo Joey should take this job. Yes, it's not 
you know, is a little bit of a step back, but same, at the same time, there's a lot of big actors. You go through their IMDb's, and it will be, you know, they've, they've just done four massive films, and the next film they do, they're like uncredited bit part. Yeah, just just take the role. Yeah, and you know, there's there's different reasons for for doing smaller roles, but yeah, just take the role, get your name out there. It, it always to see if it's all a job, uh, and you can work your way back up. But I I get his frustration. I understand. I understand Joey's pride, hurt, but at the same time. You never know what could come from it. So he could end up being, you know, cab driver number two. Hmm. But then someone could watch that show who's looking to cast something and suddenly be like, oh, wait, that's Drake Ramore, right? Or oh, that guy's cool. We'll get him in for something. He, he has the right look. Um, exactly, yeah. He's, he's playing a different part because, you know, we have him later on go, you know, you know, perhaps, you know, there could be an accident. I can, you know, I've got a degree in medical acting. But yeah, but... You, you could also go, you know, I played a doctor and I played a taxi driver. They're two totally different roles. Yeah, look at my range. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh. But I, I guess before we get back to the coffee shop, we're going to have a very quick break. Lots of darkness, bunch of dark stuff. Superhero stuff you should know. That's us. Andrew, why are you talking like that? I'm the movie voice guy now. I'm the new movie voice guy. And it's time for you to listen to superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> uh, so we have like unused concept art, unmade scripts, unmade superhero movies, all check us out at Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Ben, you should do a movie voice, guy voice. Guy voice. Uh, I would, but I think we're out of time. Superhero Stuff You Should Know, part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Part of the HyperX Podcast Network. I just said that. Make room for huge plays with the HyperX Alloy Origin 65 Mechanical Gaming Keyboard and the Pulsefire Haste Wireless Mouse. The Alloy Origin 65 has a functionally compact form factor, keeping the arrow keys while ditching the numpad and the F keys. The Pulsefire Haste is the lightest wireless mouse from HyperX, featuring a robust connection and the precision you need to click heads. The Alloy Origin 65 and Pulsefire Haste Wireless, a terrific twosome to keep your setup clean and clutter-free. The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast is the best place to get the latest news on the world of Nintendo. We cover the biggest stories, share impressions of the latest games, and answer your burning questions. There's also some general pop culture talk, game music trivia, a heaping helping of silliness, and did I mention our robot companion? I'm the star of the show. Catch new episodes of the Go Nintendo podcast every Saturday on the HyperX Podcast Network. Make room for huge plays with the HyperX Alloy Origins 65 Mechanical Gaming Keyboard and the Pulsefire Haste Wireless Mouse. The Alloy Origin 65 has a functionally compact form factor, keeping the arrow keys without the numpad and function keys. The Pulsefire Haste is the lightest wireless mouse from HyperX, featuring a robust connection, up to 100 hours of battery life, and is even water resistant. The Alloy Origin 65 and Pulsefire Haste Wireless Keep your setup clean 
in cluster 3 with the Alloy Origin 65 mechanical keyboard and the Pulsefire Haste wireless mouse. Welcome back. Well, thank you for having me back. Yeah, everyone's gone off and made tea and... I don't mean I have to, I suppose. <laughs> Hang on, it's not, it's not like TV where they're just like, oh, I'm listening to this podcast. Oh, I guess I'll go and leave my podcast. That's what my brain goes when you say we'll have another break. I'm like, great, now I've got to run to the bathroom before it restarts. But <laughs> no, it's no you've got your, head, you got your headphones just, in. You just right? take us to the bathroom with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, please don't. I wonder if any of our people listen to us in the bath. Well, you know, a lot of people listen to podcasts to go to sleep, right? And I've heard this on a few podcasts where people write in and, and they're like, oh, you know, I, I listen to you as I fall asleep. And I'm like, is that a compliment or not? I can't imagine our voices smoothing anybody to sleep. <laughs> no. Not no. at all. No, definitely not. Maybe you would try to. I'd go off on a tangent and that would break <laughs> you back up. You'd be like, yeah. yes, that's it, right. Talk about the episode. No, he's talking about some random nonsense he got up to last week and now I'm weirdly intrigued. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully, right? <laughs> But we're now back at the coffee shop, and Rachel is reading Be Your Own Windbearer. Is Rachel meant to be working? Would it look any different, Mark? No, probably not. Yeah, probably not. It looks the same. But she's just finished the book, and the girls are chatting about how amazing the book is, and that Rachel feels it was like reading about her own life. Yeah, like, we've all had these books where you're like, this could be a book about me, or it really speaks to me, right? Yep. But when it comes to, like, self-help books, I, I guess that would be what this would be described as? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of it's going to be quite generic. It's almost like horoscopes, isn't it? It's like, you know, oh, you're going to meet a, a handsome stranger. It's like, well, yeah, that's highly likely to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really kind of hate how she's, she's taken over by this. Well, yeah, I would, I would call it kind of like weirdly agendary and propagandary. Because yeah. it's just not necessarily in the, the, the wider sense, just in the, the way it sounds like this book's written. It yeah. seems very propagandarish. Because well, like Family Guy did, did an episode on like these sorts of books uh, where Brian writes one and he's like, you know, the, the first 10 pages are blank. So, you know, you write your own like thing. <laughs> and then it, it's like, the other page just have a question and, you know, you have to answer it yourself. It's like, I didn't write anything, you know, it took me an afternoon to do. And it's like, uh, some of these are true, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and certainly a lot of books can, can have this appeal where it's, it's kind of just, I guess, comforting in some ways where you just read it and go, yes, that makes a lot of sense to me without having to think about, why? I think a lot of these things are they're kind of like self-fulfilling prophecies in a sense. Yeah. Whereas if if your perception already is that the world is an evil patriarchal place and the, the male of the species is a horrible oppressive beast, you will then look for books about that that then are presented from that perspective and therefore all they do is reinforce that opinion yeah. because for the most part these books don't have any kind of statistical backing or data it'll just be like men are bad or the poorly written ones at least whereas if you want to actually read about this kind of stuff you're better off reading actual like university or psychological studies that look into stuff because they're going to cite sources they're going to have actual psychological data and that kind of stuff where you can actually learn something whereas if it's just essentially a, a non-friction self-help book there's no there's no kind of academic Validity there, I guess. I, I guess the modern equivalent would be like a, a Facebook form or group, which is basically just an echo chamber. And you certainly see that in, in politics, yeah. where people do just go, well, you know, it's true because these other people say it. it's like, yeah, because you're in the place where they're saying what you want to hear. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It just means that you've basically looked for an opinion you already have and you've yeah. found the opinion you have because 
the people who write the book share your opinion. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you can read it and go, okay, I'm perfectly right, because if that book hasn't actually had any weight behind it or any kind of validity to it, all you've done is basically, like you said, sat in an echo chamber for 350 yeah. pages and gone, okay, I was right all along. And, and I guess in some ways people take a book as being qualitative, like, oh, it's, it's, it's actually been made and printed, so it must be true, right? And it's like, no, no. Yeah, I mean, maybe in 1706, but <laughs> in like 2022, you can self-publish any day you want. Well, we're even in, you know, 95, you know, you could have had a book published because the publisher will go, yes, we can make money out of this. It doesn't necessarily have to be actually true or correct. Yeah, exactly. And, and certainly these sorts of books are kind of vague enough where you kind of form your own opinion of it, especially with this one where how wordy it's being and mm-hmm. non-descriptive of things. Have you ever read a self-help book? No, I've not. But I, I'm guessing this is probably a bit like uh, Eat, Pray, Love, which a lot of people went on about. I haven't read it. I've seen the movie. I thought it was dull. Okay. Just seems self-indulgent about a wealthy white woman that got to do what she wanted because she was privileged. Okay. That, that's, what, that's my take. <laughs> the closest I've got was there's a novel called This Book Will Save Your Life. Which I've heard that one. sounds very self-helpy, and the front cover's got donuts on it. So <laughs> okay. that's great. Um and it's basically, I don't want to spoil the book for anyone who reads it, because if you've not read it, I would read it. Um, but basically, the start of the movie is a guy in his 50s who was successful in like kind of Wall Street type thing, made all this money, and now his life is basically empty, and he doesn't really have one. He gets up, he runs on the treadmill, he looks at the markets, he kind of A, B, and C, just kind of has the same routine, and his cleaner comes around, he ignores her while he does his jogging on the running machine, and he's, that's the same routine every day. And then one day, he has a heart attack. And then essentially it's how that impacts his life and the changes he tries to make. But when you read it, it's a great story and a good novel, but you are kind of sitting there the whole time kind of going, I could do with taking some of the actions that this man's doing in my own life because that would benefit, whether it's making more of an effort with friends or trying that thing you've been scared of doing or just mixing something up for the sake of it, even just change what you have for breakfast. But it's a very, very good read and I would recommend it. Well, while you've been saying that, I've, uh, I've been having this niggling thought in my mind of what this book is actually based on. And I think it probably is, uh, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, which was definitely very popular in the 90s. And it's certainly, you know, men are different to women, discuss. Um, But yeah, I I, I don't know. We we don't read these books, so I I don't know how much we can kind of rag on them. But there's certainly like a lot lot about these books where you're like, well, how helpful are they? I mean... To me, it's just a case of there's an agenda that the authors had and they're probably just, especially if it's not an academic paper. I know I sound like a right nerd, but an academic paper has to essentially have like a hypothesis, almost a bit like science and a conclusion. And there's there's going to be evidence and statistics there to back up what it's saying so you can actually learn something. Where if it's just a, a preposition given by an author that's then going to like spoon feed you self-affirming ideas it's yeah. all completely wait you may as well just sit and read a novel because at least a novel may inspire something genuine in you from some creativity whereas a book just going living your life the way you want to live your life is okay because it's your life yeah fine doesn't mean it's healthy no like if i want if i read a book that said ryan you should have you should have that second portion of fried chicken <laughs> doesn't mean it's good for me just because the book said it was yeah so i yeah, hate these yeah ideas. yeah I, I think that's my my issue like I, I i find it really hard to articulate how i feel about this book uh, but yeah, I, I guess it, it annoys me. I, I dislike the idea of self-help books in general because I feel they prey on vulnerable people because you don't buy a self-help book if your life's in a good place. Yes. And I've seldom heard of anyone who's bought... I know people who've had many self-help books 
and you know you look on their shelf and there's like seven of them and none of those books have an impact on their life and i was like surely if it, the book worked you don't need to buy one there'd be one self-help book and you would buy that <laughs> be book the best seller, and that'd be the yeah. best seller now but there's like 19 different versions of on the same the same author will write several self-help books and i'm mm. like what did you miss in the first one, buddy, that you needed to put in volume two, three, four, five, and six? So I just think it's a big con. Yeah, because I, I guess for this book in particular that they, they discuss, if it was Rachel reading it and going, you know what, that's a good point. I'm going to research that more to, to figure that out. I would be okay with it. It's the fact she's taking everything literally and then shoving it in people's faces. Yeah, and, and certainly Monica and Phoebe do that as well. I mean, speaking in, of shoving it in people's faces, Russ enters Central Perk. And tells Rachel they've got to go. She screams no at him and asks why everything has to be on his schedule. And Ross explains that it's the movie theater schedule. And Rachel goes off on a wind rant, uh, which Monica punctuates with her, you go girl, before realizing that she can't pull it <laughs> off. Which I like that bit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this, I mean, have you ever tried to say a phrase that you couldn't pull off? No, there, there are certain phrases, uh, especially on TV. Like there's the... The one that you would normally see like a black woman do where she does like the click and mm. she'll move her hips. And it's like, yeah, certain people definitely like only a black woman could like do that one. Like if you did it, Ryan, it, I think it's, I really think weird. it's mostly confidence. Yeah. Like you can get away with it or at least do it a bit tongue in cheek. Um, like, you know, like bar Felicia, like it's, you can pull <laughs> yeah. it off as long as you, you commit to it. If you're awkward and awkward about it, you'll look stupid. I guess so. But at the same time, there are certain things where if you said it, it, it would be weird. Oh, yeah, like I'm not going to greet certain friends by dropping the end bump. <laughs> no, well, no, no, I was only thinking that. I, I, was more, I was more thinking like catchphrases on TV. Like if you did um, like Die Hard, GPKA, like some people could pull that off and you'd be like, yes, you're, you're the man, you're amazing. Like, but if I did it, people would be like, why are you saying that phrase from that film? It's weird. Um, yeah, I guess. Some people, some people just miss it, I guess. Yeah, there, there's definitely like certain stereotypes. And I, I guess like TV and film kind of propagate that in what you can kind of get away with saying. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you, Monica is kind of like a, for lack of a better phrase, basic white girl. Yeah. But bless her. I mean, she tried, and that's what counts. Yeah. Uh, but Ross is stunned and confused by this whole wind bearer rant. Yeah, it, it is a bit weird. And again, as I, I already explained, like, you know, he's just being logical, like, we've just got to go. And Rachel is being oddly obtuse about it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we touched a bit on this earlier, but this is to me where feminism gets lost in translation. I consider myself a feminist, and women I know would agree. But every little part of life is so conflated into some kind of patriarchal oppression, it starts to sound daft and people check out of the conversation. So if, if you want to discuss, I don't know, paternity versus paternity leave, there's clearly disparity there. Or the court, the court, especially family court, is massively in favour of women. And there's lots of times where the genders clearly aren't treated equally. But when you start breaking it down into, essentially, why have we got to go to the theatre? When you say we've got to go to the theatre, it was like, what are you trying to achieve here? You, you, it's just an emotional rant. Yeah, you're not. There's no production there. You're not trying. You're not, there's no end goal. What are you trying to get to? Ross, I mean, what would she have liked if Ross had said, "Okay, what screening would you like to go to?" Yeah, like end. Uh, there's end of a problem there because there's no real problem, is there? Yeah, it's it's almost like she's trying to create a problem that that doesn't exist to to make her feel better. Yeah, a, a lot of it I blame the internet for. Because every kind of site out there is desperate for clicks and content yeah. to kind of, you know, keep themselves existing. So you tend to find that the most extreme versions of stuff is what people lead with, with like clickbaity titles and extreme yeah. views, because that attracts attention. Um, but my friend Katie is currently reading a book called Invisible Women uh, by Caroline Sicardo Perez, if I'm pronouncing that properly. Probably not. But it examines the data bias in a world designed for men. 
And she and I were chatting about the book and it has a, a kind of catchphrase in it that basically the patriarchy isn't necessarily malicious, more inconsiderate. Yeah, and we, we've certainly discussed this off air previously. For, for you know, a random example, take body armour that police wear, right? Yep. So it's probably designed by a man. It's worn by men. Fits great, right? And then a woman wears it and goes, this doesn't work for my body shape. And no man ever thought about that, right? Yep. And, and certainly some of it's not even, it's not done maliciously or on purpose. No, no one was sitting there going, you know, oh, these women, you know, let's make this so it's uncomfortable and, and ill-fitting. They just didn't think about it. Yeah, there's an example in the book um, that talks about military backpacks and how they're specifically built and structured to spread the weight over the body parts where a man carries their weight, whereas yeah. women's posture is different and they carry separately. So if you give a fully loaded military backpack to a woman, it's uncomfortable because it puts weights in areas of her body that a women's body doesn't naturally carry it. And again, not deliberate. It's no. just when they designed that backpack, 99.9% .9 of soldiers were men and that just happened to be that way. And once you, once the flaws pointed out, you'd hope that the places involved, be it the military or whatever, would then go, oh, that's a fair point, we need to fix that, and then fix it. If they don't, yeah, you've got an issue, but... Yeah, it, it normally comes down to money. And I'll give, I'll give another geeky example I heard recently. So the game Mortal Kombat, very popular, well-known. Uh, it's designed by a bunch of men in the mid-90s, so a handful of men. And it came out at a time when uh, Street Fighter was also really popular. And Street Fighter had a really popular character called Chun-Li, who, yeah. who was a woman, right? When they're designing Mortal Kombat, they did not have any women in it till the very last moment. They did not think about it. Despite this other game having like one of the most popular characters be a woman in it, at the last minute, someone else came along and was like, why is it all just men here? And they went, oh, we've, we didn't even think about that. And it's like, and, it, and you know, they should have because they had competition where the female character was, was like one of the most popular. I mean, that's so weird to me given how iconic some of the female Mortal Kombat characters are, yes. like with Katana and Sindel. And some of them, you say Mortal Kombat, and I can you know, think several female characters straight, like Jade. Yeah. There's so many of them, like, oh, wait, they're all really like staples of the franchise. And the idea that they're an afterthought is really odd. Well, I, I wouldn't say afterthought for, for those, but they initially, there was only Sonya in the first game. And she was like just put in very last minute, but but yeah, there's there's all sorts of things where people just do stuff and they don't think, I guess. And yeah, it's it's not it's not malicious at all. It's just you know it's your own circumstances and you kind of work within those. Certainly, when I'm designing like products for for my site, I'm constantly having to think about not even just like the other genders, just just people in general. Like, what would other people like? Because what I'm going to do doesn't necessarily mean everyone else will like it. Fair. Yeah, it's a, it's a big issue, to be fair. Not something, I guess, we can set to rights in one podcast alone. No, and I guess that's the, the problem with like this book, is it's, it's very much focused on one thing, not trying to expand your mind into to discussing it and being open to you know, potential ideas or you know, even like just discussing with Ross, like, Ross, why are you doing this? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I've got plenty of issues with this fictional book, um, more of which, and the biggest issue of which will pop up later in the episode. But for now... We were at Joey's, and he and Ross sent his apartment talking about the book, which Ross has zero idea what it's about. But we get distracted by the fact that Joey's received a visa bill, and it's huge. <laughs> no, no, that's just his phone number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Physical bills are definitely a thing of the past. I can't think of a physical bill I still receive. I still get physical bills because ha they're, they're constantly bothering me, going, do you want to go paperless? 
go paperless. It's good for the environment and it saves us lots of money. That's the real reason. I was like, no, because if you send to my email, like I get a million emails every day, it will just disappear into the void. So yeah. I'd rather have like the physical thing through the post where generally I don't get anything other than, you know, important things in the post. See, I've just got an email address for bills. Okay. Oh, that's quite clever. Then it's like, they'll go to there. And then when I don't pay them, I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably look in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would probably forget to look there. That's a good idea though. I kind of like that. And then Russ and Joey get into a little argument about Joey's finances, which we've touched before about the gang chatting about each other's finances and how such a weird idea it is. And it's never a good idea to bring up your friends' finances and how they choose to spend their money. No, they certainly shouldn't be spending it on lock picking kits. <laughs> it was a lockdown. Lock was in the word. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's explain that. You bought a lock picking kit. I did. Over lockdown, I decided I should learn a new skill. And rather than picking one that was probably going to be beneficial to my life or re-picking up the guitar or actually doing some writing, I decided I'll learn to pick locks. <laughs> Which I guess if you in fear, in fear of losing your job because of the pandemic, it might actually be a good skill to have later I on. I found out after buying it that the mere possession of that lock picking kit is a criminal offence in this country. Despite buying it off Amazon, I guess. Yep. So <laughs> having it is fine. Being out and about with it isn't. So if it's okay. in my house, that's okay. But if I was to walk down the road and the police were like, Ryan, let us look in your back. And then I find my lock picking kit, I can be arrested for that because it's the tools necessary to commit a crime. And that is a criminal offence. But certainly, you know, we've probably discussed your finances or my fan finances over the years. It's just as adults, you, you, you bring it up of like, oh, you know, I'm a bit poor this month or, you know, I've splurged on this. And you now sometimes friends can be concerned. Like, you know, we, we've both had friends who haven't earned a lot of money and somehow have like the latest, you know, phone and console and TV. And you're like, how are you doing that? Because if it's a secret, I want to know that secret of how to do it too. Yeah. If it's something else, then, you know, we want to make sure you're okay. I think a lot of it is, it's all based on, if you want to discuss someone's finances, base it on what they're saying. It's a lot, oh, I'm skinned this week, I'm stressed. And I'm like, okay, why are you stressed? What's going yeah. on? And you can invite something, but getting preachy about it is, is annoying. Like, I've had friends before where I've gone, oh, I'm skinned all the time, I've got no impulse control. And then two, three weeks have gone by and I've forgotten we had that conversation and they haven't. And they're like, you're up to them? I'm like, oh, I'm just opening this comic I bought off eBay. It was 70 quid, but it's the first appearance of so-and-so. And it's been like, I thought you were skint. And then I immediately get my back up and I'm like, and I appreciate yeah. your advice, but I really wanted this thing that I went and worked for, so shut up. Yeah, you can't get annoyed at other people and what they, they do in their lives. If they want to be in debt, then that's kind of their choice. I get it in some ways where you're like, hey, let's all go on holiday or let's go and do something together. And you can't because that one friend cannot save any money at all, right? Yes. And it's frustrating. At the same time, you know, you that's their lives. They, they can do whatever they want, right? And... You know, it's not even just finances. If people want to do certain things that you don't enjoy, that's their choice. Yeah. You don't have to, to enjoy it and you don't even have to acknowledge it, right? Well, for my birthday this year, I've decided what the group activity is going to be. Okay. And you're not going to find out till we get there. Okay. But one of the people I've invited knows what it is. And she's like, hell no, I'm not doing that. And I'm trying to talk her into it. Okay. <laughs> you have not sold it to me at all then. I mean, it's not that. But I mean, I, I Googled it because she was concerned about doing it tandem as opposed to individually, which kind of gives you a hint at what it might be. So I checked. There have only been two recorded deaths doing this thing tandem, so it's just as safe, really, as doing it normally because there's been way more solo deaths. So. 
Yeah, let's move on from there. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be good. You'll find out. That could be an exclusive Patreon episode. What did we end up doing on Ryan's birthday? <laughs> okay. And then you can see us do it. Or uh, there'll be no further episodes after Ryan's birthday. <laughs> and uh, you'll have to find out why there isn't. Or if I just get replaced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you didn't do it. And then it's just, this This is Frank. <laughs> yeah. He also likes friends. But still. We then find Chandler sneaking into his own apartment. It looks clear. It's all safe. No Eddie in sight. But then Eddie suddenly springs up from behind the counter, startling Chandler. Which, what? That's just weird. Imagine being terrified when you walk in your own house. Yeah. That would annoy me. I mean, I want you to move out straight away, to be fair. Um, but Eddie is there, and he's dehydrating fruit. What is this? Yeah, weird, right? And I'm like, do you need, do you need something to do that? Like, he's got a little rack system. I'm like, does this, does this help the dehydration of the fruit, or is it just something to put the fruit on while it dehydrates? Yeah, it's not something I really thought about too much i just took it as it was like he's putting bits of fruit on a thing and it sounds really boring but he seems to really enjoy it yeah but then chandler tries to bring up his moving out but no joy eddie is a dehydrating maniac which is it's a line (laughs) i love like as annoying as eddie is he's so entertaining to watch he is definitely yeah especially from a this is a passive experience and i don't have to put up with him (laughs) kind of thing like if eddie lived in my house i'd probably have murdered him by now yeah i i would like to have seen a little bit more of eddie like he just pops back up you know maybe once every couple years we just get an episode where he's just, just there back at Chandler's. <laughs> <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then Joey enters Central Park because we've left the dehydromaniac in Chandler's. We get a revelation about Gunther's past. Hey, Gunther, let me get a uh, lemonade to go. Lemonade? You okay, man? <laughs> uh, it's career stuff. I don't know if you heard, but they killed off my character on the show. Oh, that's too bad. How'd they do it? I fell down an elevator shaft. Uh. That sucks. I was buried in an avalanche. What? I used to be Bryce on all my children. I know what you're thinking, Mark. Why did that clip carry on? (laughs) And it's purely because I really enjoy that guitar piece. It's It's so sad and like melancholic. And I was like, I'm leaving that in. Yeah, because I, I don't know that TV show. I've heard heard the name. But yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. And I I like the way Joey thinks of it. It's like, oh, I'm going to end up being the guy who works at the coffee place. Yeah, it, it took me about five minutes to realise that was Joey's take on it. Like, I took it as, yeah, but Gunther's, you know, basically got a fine life. He's not miserable. I mean, we always fantasise yeah. about what Gunther gets up to in his <laughs> yeah. spare time. Um, but, I, you know, you do the job, your character gets killed off. I thought Joey would take that as like, a, oh, I'm not alone in this. It's happened to someone else and be, you know, encouraged, I guess. No. But he's definitely like, great, I'm going to serve coffee, which is a bit, you know, demeaning. Poor Gunther. But hopefully it's given Joey a bit of bit of drive, given that. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Because, you know, the, the, the Simpsons plays on this of, of like, you know, um, auto bus driver where... You know, the ki- kids are like, oh, I'm going to have to repeat the fourth grade. And also like, you know, I repeat the fourth grade and look where I am. I'm the, I'm the bus driver. And it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't want to become that. I have this weird thing where I can't disassociate this one moment from The Simpsons. So anytime someone says The Simpsons, my brain just goes, nothing at all. Nothing <laughs> at all. Of all the bits of Simpsons in the, what, millions and four seasons that they've done. So you're thinking of Sexy Flanders. I'm thinking of Sexy Flanders. very tight ski, ski outfit. Yep. And it's just like, <laughs> could I please have a new go-to memory for The Simpsons, please, mind? Because I'm sick of Flanders-like robot. Well, you know, you could be thinking of Ugly Naked Guy. 
or if you're anything like Charlie, you could be thinking of your mum. <laughs> I guess I'll stick with Flanders. Mum, what are you doing? <laughs> when we get to that episode, I think it's going to ruin your life forever. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's night time now, and Charlie was asleep on Monica's couch. And it's like, how did it take so long for this to happen? I'd have been there straight away. Yep. Ten minutes after Eddie moves in, I'm on Monica's couch. At the same time, you've got to hope that Monica does lock the door this time. Yeah, so weird. But Monica peers over the couch, looking at Chandler sleeping. As he wakes up and screams, Monica <laughs> yeah. screams. And then Chandler has a little rant about people watching him sleep, which would kind of give you a bit of a complex. Of like, oh. Yeah, why, why do people keep watching me? Like, yeah. what is it about me being asleep that, <laughs> that people seem to enjoy? Do people like me more when I'm asleep? I'm sure Chandler was in thinking that. <laughs> yeah. like, do people like me more when I don't talk? Uh, but next morning, we're at Chandler's apartment, and the drama continues. Check it out. I got some great stuff to dehydrate here. I got some grapes, got some apricots. I thought it'd be really cool to see what happens with these water balloons. <laughs> get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. What? You, move out. Take your fruit, your stupid small fruit, and get out. <laughs> you want me to move out? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, uh, whew, I gotta tell you, man, I mean, that's, uh, it's kind of out of the blue. I mean, don't you think? This is not out of the blue. This is smack dab in the middle of the blue. Whoa! Relax. Take it easy, buddy. To tell me twice, you want me to go? All right. All right. So I'm gonna be by for my stuff. But if you think for one second I'm leaving you alone with my fish, you're insane, Jack! You want some help? No, no, no. no help required, Chico. He put the fish in his pocket, Mark. You know, there's, there's something about these clips that... It, how do I explain this? So when we listen to these clips, there's, there's a lot of things that I noticed that I have never noticed before. I guess just because you're like hyper focused on on what you're listening to. Yeah. There's a bit of, at the start where he's like, "Oh, I've got these new, new fruits to dehydrate. See what happens." And these water balloons, I've never like, I don't remember ever hearing that at all. Really? <laughs> and, and it's like that. It's like it's so funny because it's like, yeah, what would water balloons look like if you dehydrated them? Actually, no, you're really crazy <laughs> to, to, to do that, right? <laughs> like I just infected your brain with the madness. Yeah. You, you're now Eddie Curious. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, get, I get his logic, but at the same time, you're stupid. <laughs> like it's a water balloon. I guess, but men are dumb as, yeah. as, a, as a rule. <laughs> like we've, got, we've got this thing, what do we do? Do you know, let's try it on everything we've got. Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. just, you just would. Like, what happens if I spray this under this? Uh, fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's always going to be something dumb. But I mean, Eddie needs help, Mark. Like, a jacket that ties his hands to his sides and a room with padded walls kind of help. I've always thought that a padded room would actually be really comfy to just like be... The pads aren't that soft. Are they not? Oh, I just think it would like be like a bouncy castle yeah, where you, you could just sleep. No, you imagine like cushions. They're, they're padded in the sense that they're softer than concrete, but they're not, they're not spongy. Like they're quite hard foam. <laughs> How do you know this? I don't know. <laughs> I think <laughs> I went... Is this where I found Ryan at the Mental Institute? No, I do remember. We went to a police cell, police cell, police station tour in secondary school. And I basically, I don't know how I ended up in this. So I was part of some weird thing. Me and my friend Lee ended up, we were nerds, basically. <laughs> um, we were always like, you know, getting good grades and stuff. And there was this class for developmentally challenged kids. And... The kids who were just idiot 
jackasses, for lack of a better phrase, just the unruly kids. And it was that weird thing where they wouldn't have to do some lessons. They just get to play computer games and Age of Empires 2, or they get to go on trips. And my and Lee's teacher for one of the classes was like, look, we've got two spaces in this class. We've got budget for like 16 kids and we've only got 14. You two don't really need to be in class most of the time because you already know what you're doing. Because it was, I think it was health and social care, and we were studying biology, so we knew all of the like the <laughs> medical science side. I bet of, you knew all about biology, yeah, didn't you? We knew all that, so it was kind of like I remember one example. We were chatting, and we did an assignment, and we'd written something about the heart, and then across the room, the teacher goes, "Ryan." What's myocardium? Because she thought I just Googled the word and faked them. Like, tissue the heart's made out of. And she went, oh, okay. And Amelia's like giggling, going, we do biology. We know what we're doing. Um, so, so biology didn't fail you. Yeah, yet. exactly. So it was great. Um, so basically, we got to go on these random trips because she was like, well, you two don't need to really be here for these bits. So do you want to just go? And she ran that special class. So we just get to go on trips all the time. Like we go to London. We went kayaking. These random things that we weren't supposed to do. And we shouldn't have been on. We'd just be like, we'd go in. So we'd walk in the class sometimes and the idiot kids would be like why are those two nerds here and we'd be like because we're clever <laughs> <laughs> we got to go on all these trips and one of them was to a police station for a tour i don't know if we're supposed to scare like the delinquent kids you know into behaving or what but they had a padded cell and we got to go in and like hit the walls okay they weren't as soft as you'd expect oh disappointed did you think i've been committed at some point <laughs> yeah that like, this is where i found ryan i was like i need a podcast host <laughs> who would want to come on a podcast host with me just went to the loony bin and <laughs> yeah. just like pulled me out yeah. Maybe we should have gone with that. It'd be like the fictional canon of the podcast. <laughs> well, that would explain the whole Ross stuff, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, 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 yeah it'd almost be like the Michael Jackson episode in The Simpsons. Where, you know, you think you're Ross. You just want to say about like, my podcast over <laughs> yeah. over again. <laughs> Jerry decides to go for that audition, and it doesn't go well. He keeps referencing Days of Our Lives as well as reading the lines incorrectly as they're printed on smudgy fax paper. Not the high-quality stuff that Joe became accustomed to on Days of Our Lives. So I've been doing interviews for my business lately to hire someone. Um, and it's actually been quite eye-opening, like how people act in like these situations. Like They want to be positive and tell you like all the great things that they've been doing, right? And that's certainly what Joey's doing here. He's like, hey, you know, I'm good at this. Like I shouldn't, I don't need to prove it to you. I've already done the job before, right? Yeah. But obviously the way he's coming across... Uh, it just makes him sound stupid or overly confident. And certainly I, I had that in my in some of my interviews where people would come in and be like, you know, I'm amazing, I can do this. And then you question them and they actually don't know like the basic answers and you're like, hmm, do you really? Because you just told me you knew everything. Or they would tell you how, you know, them being there benefits them. And you're like, cool. How does it benefit me? Like, you know, so like the, the guy here who's auditioning Joey going cool you're on days of our lives but i don't care we're not days of our lives we're you know another world you're a taxi driver like show me you can do that that's the thing i'm hiring you for not for dr drake Ramore. yeah i mean i've i've hired people helping interview people for companies before and you do get that with a lot of people they'll hark on about one aspect of their cv and i'm like yes your cv is why you were given an interview it stopped being relevant the second this interview started. Yeah. All they've told me about themselves is, oh, I used to work for so-and-so. And I'm like, mm-hmm, great. And then, like, Sandra next to that person has been, hasn't mentioned her CV once, but keeps telling me about the kitten she rescued from a tree once. And I'm like, oh, a story. She's got personality. She gets a job. <laughs> and Mr. I worked in this highfalutin company. I'm like, well, you don't anymore. 
It's just, I mean, yeah, having a nice company in your CV helps. Yeah. It got me a job once. <laughs> you work for Disney. You're hired. I was like, all right, fair enough. But yeah, you've, you've got to show that you can actually do the, the role they're hiring you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do kind of feel bad for it though, Joe. It must be so hard as an actor between roles because there's so much competition for even the smallest parts. Yeah. Like how many people read for cab driver number two that day? Probably dozens. It must be really boring as a casting agent as well. Well, yeah, because like even some of the, the biggest films like Marvel or whatever, they're like, oh, yeah, we went through like 100 actors to find this one person. Like, wow, like 100 people. It's like Harry Potter and the Star Wars sequels held open auditions. You could just turn up an audition on yeah. the day, which I find really weird because unless, because you, I assume that like if I'm going to an audition, I've probably had some kind of classical acting training and I would talk like this and, you yeah. know, like Ian McKellen or whatever. But like Daisy really just rock, rocked up to the interview and so did the guy who played Finn. Uh, what's his name? Forgot his name. So really, I really like him as well. Go play spin. Let's kind of rock. John Boyega. There we go. Terrible memory. They just basically walked in, hadn't really done a whole lot before and got parts. John Boyega had done more than Daisy really had. And that's just really weird to me. Like just walking into a room and being like, you can have the job that you're essentially not qualified for, but you've got it based on whatever you just did. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing with a lot of interviews, isn't it? It's, it's not always necessarily about the, the job you can do. It's about like you as a person and if you get on with the interviewer. Do you think, Mark, if you had to periodically re-interview for the job you had hmm. you'd keep the job I mean immediately you're your own boss so you'd be like <laughs> yes Mark wonderful well done but I mean in, like, in jobs you've had before if you had to re-interview six months in do you think you would get the job still well whenever I've had like the, the yearly reviews the gentleman's just like cool um, yeah, there's nothing really to say here because you're doing fine at the job and I have no negatives just keep doing more but uh, I have to talk to you for 15 minutes to make it look like I've spoke to you so I think I'd be okay. I've worked for companies where even if you're doing fine, even if you're excelling, there's always the, what would you like to improve question? And I always say, my salary. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's all normally always true. And most of the time it's like, well, I don't know. You are my boss. Yeah. You tell me what you'd like me to improve. And that's why I want to improve. Yeah, because if I know I'm doing a bad job on this, then that's poor on me. Yeah, to like, know that I'm physically, you know, not putting my best into it. There's probably plenty of scope for me to improve, but you're in charge, so yeah. you do do help me do it. I can't teach myself how to be better at the thing I think I'm good at already. Yeah. You need to show me. Uh, but still, but back at the girls' apartment, Phoebe's is over, and they're still trying to bear their own wind, which sounds really weird. <laughs> yeah, all this stuff about wind and blowing, yeah, just just all of it, right? Um, before we play the clip. There was a moment we actually skipped over with um, with Rachel and Ross. So she discussed like how, you know, she's like to, to Ross, like, oh, you know, how can I grow if she won't let me blow? And I don't know which way Ross is taking this because he has like a smirk on his face. So I don't know if it's like a rude thing and he's taking it the rude way. Or if he's just like so confused by what she's saying that he's just happy to agree to anything. I just assumed it was David from a corpse in a little bit. Right. Because I was just like, the line is hideous and crude and I don't like yeah. it. So I'm just like, it just sounds ridiculous. And I don't think it's that funny. Um, no, no, it's like, you know, how can I grow if you won't let me blow? And like, I can see it in a childish like, <laughs> yeah, she's being rude. Yeah. But if, yeah. if they'd done it as kind of a way of to reinforce the point of like, you know, the way men are. If he'd made like if he'd actually made a joke about it and they'd used it to reinforce the fact that you know men don't take women seriously and just think about sex all the time, yeah. If it'd been like oh typical male response, that would have made more sense to me. Is you're reinforcing the point that Rachel's trying to make, but Ross is kind of like <laughs> yeah, like it's just 
okay. They don't do, it doesn't go anywhere. They don't do anything with it. No, but it's yeah. The the whole wind thing is just it's just ripe for comedy. You know, yeah. you know. Let me let me be my own wind keeper. I need to I need to blow my wind. <laughs> it's just gonna be like fart jokes. Yeah. So I guess we should go and listen to that clip now. Okay. Question number twenty-eight. Have you ever allowed a lightning bearer to take your wind? I would have to say no. <laughs> and I would have to say paha. What? Do you not remember the puppet guy? Yeah, you like totally let him wash his feet in the pool of your inner power. <laughs> and his puppet too. <laughs> yeah, okay, well at least I didn't let some guy into the forest of my righteous truth on the first date. <laughs> Who? Paul. Oh. Okay, 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 moving on, moving on, next question. Okay, number 29. Have you ever betrayed another goddess for a lightning bearer? Okay, number 30. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, let's go back to 29. Not, uh, <clears throat> not to my recollection. <gasps> All right, Danny Arshak, ninth grade. Oh, come on, Rachel, you know the bottle was totally pointing at me. Only because you took up half the circle. <gasps> Listen to you two. It's so sad. Oh. <laughs> Looks like I'm gonna be going to the goddess meetings alone. Mm. Well, not when they find out you slept with Jason Hurley an hour after he broke up with Monica. <laughs> One hour? You are such a leaf blower. <laughs> I do like all the different words for, for things like, you know, the forest of righteous truth. Like we all know what that means. I mean, don't describe it as that. I do like the, I guess, the symbolism that they're trying to portray in the book there. I don't know if I'd be happy with people referring to my, to my area as a forest. Does <laughs> <Yeah>. someone <laughs> need some maintenance down there? But yeah, this, you know, even even like the, them, themselves, they're like in, in some ways turning against each other based on what the book is saying. Well, that's why I think this book is dumb because it's meant to be about female empowerment. And then there's a quiz about how they've hurt other women in the past. It's like, what kind of judgmental, belittling nonsense is this? Like, this is where... This might be a bit of a spicy take. Where, uh, <laughs> in my experience, a lot of feminism is kind of... Or not, not actual feminism, but the way people talk about feminism nowadays kind of falls down because I've... I've known women who have been like sat in like in a group having a kind of conversation about gender politics in a very light-hearted way for the most part, and they've been like, "Oh yeah, if you get girl power, you go or you do what you want to do," and then like we've been at a pub and then someone's watching and they've gone, "Ah, oh, she's a right tart," and I'm like, "Excuse me, like, what were you literally doing?" But men don't do that. Like when men are talking about stuff, for the most part, if there's an insult. You're going to direct it at the person it's about, and you're going to chuckle about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. There's just a bit of banter, whether you like that phrase or not. But women has, in general, I've seen many examples of they're all for girl power, feminine empowerment, equality, and you know treat women how you should. And then immediately turned around and talked about one behind her back and said horrible things about them. Yep. And I don't think it's necessarily an individual person thing. I think sometimes. I guess potentially society has pushed women to be weirdly competitive and judgmental against each other in weird ways that it hasn't with men. Men's competition is very much 
in your face. Like a male competition would be, I'm going to beat Mark at arm wrestling or darts because yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's very upfront in your face. Whereas women traditionally have been told not to be like confrontational, I guess, and strong. Cause remember that's where it comes from. Where when they've got competition, they have to find other ways of gaining an edge. And that tends to be to drag another woman down, which I find really weird. Well, yeah, I, I guess like there's, there's a couple of issues. So like one big issue I have with, especially the word feminism, feminist, is that a lot of people don't understand it because it's got the word female in it. They're like, no, it's for women to be all about women are the best rather than equality. Yep. And, and in my mind, like as a word, it should totally change. It should be just neutral, right? Because stupid people don't understand the word and haven't read the description go, well, you're a feminist. That means you only like women and women should be the best. It's like, no, no, it's actually women wanting equality for, for each other. Right. Um, and then certainly, like, within that, you will get people who are like, I'm a feminist, but, you know, I think I'm better, whether that's men or women, right? And they will twist it to, I guess, their own agenda. Yeah. And, and as you're describing, like, you know, I'm a feminist. I think all women should be as equal as men, apart from that one over there. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> just, it's just weird. And I don't think it's going to get very far, I guess, in general, so that stops. But I, I guess it, it, for me, this is why I don't like labels for things. Like, you should just explain, like, you know, I guess who you are or what you're into or whatever, because it's too nuanced. You can't just go, I'm a feminist, because there's always going to be things you go against. Like, I, I know um, a lot of vegans, and you'd be like, well, you've got, like, snake skin, you know, boots there, but you're a vegan. Like, oh, yeah, like, there, there's, you can never, like, pigeonhole yourself and be black and white about all these things. There's always going to be personally you're, you're going to have things that you agree with or disagree with yeah and, and people are imperfect so yes i think when you kind of take like a, a label like feminist and it's mostly been i guess misused and abused by the press and kind of like it's, it's definitely seen as like a dirty word to some people because you think of some you know middle-aged white woman with dyed hair screeching about the pay gap yeah and it's just like oh that's how it's put across whereas we, we consider ourselves feminists. I know plenty of feminists who are all like, yeah, let's just be equal. We just want to be equal. Yeah. And it, it's not what it is, but it has kind of had a negative connotation forced onto the word. Well, I, th- I think a lot of men are feminists, whether they use that word or not, right? Because they, most people don't care. Like, they, they don't see it as a, a, a them and us sort of thing. Uh, you know, the same with politics. You know, there's certainly a very, like, small crowd that's very loud about politics. I kind of feel like most people don't care too much. And, and certainly when it comes to like genders and, and, you know, gender norms and stuff like that, I think there's a lot of people who are just like, I don't really care. And it's just the loud people that kind of make it seem like a bigger issue than it actually is. I mean, it, it could be a British thing because I guess one, one of the, the kind of, I guess, traditional British values is like fairness and fair mm. play. It's a thing, I guess because it's just a sporting nation, it kind of comes from that maybe, I don't know. But especially when it comes to certain things to do with like the transgender movement and trans right. Most people, when you say talk about trans rights, like let people live however they want to live and do whatever they want to do. Yeah. And then you get complications like trans athletes in sports, where suddenly the fairness gets called into play, and that's when it gets to a muddy water. But with the society we live in nowadays, there's no space for nuance. You can't try and have like an, an in-depth conversation about that because you're either for trans people 100% and letting them do whatever they want to do, or you're against them 100%. There's no middle ground of, well, hang on, I don't actually know if this is fair. No. Um, we don't need to get too much into it, but... I mean, I think it was the last Olympics, another one before the last, where the fastest woman in the world was like 204th 
if you if you got rid of the gender the gap and it was just people competing yeah so the reason those gender binaries exist in sport is because if they didn't when you get to the elite levels of that sport women wouldn't compete because yeah. who wants to celebrate 204th place yeah it's it's the same with you know musical awards for for like black people and stuff like that it's because you know if you're a minority yeah, there's there's less chance for you to have that opportunity because you are a minority. There's going to be way more people. It's just the, it's just a odds game, isn't it? Yeah, more chance to be recognised is is a good thing. Yeah. Um. But then you know, there's not a lot of you know, I guess science out there about trans people in sports, and it's not something we're going to get into in a podcast about friends. No. But my point is, the wider point is, there's no nuance in conversations anymore, and it's frustrating because people just get shouty and that's what kind of what feminism shoved into it's like oh you're talking about gender equality it's a ranting scream conversation and, yeah and i guess i guess you know i'm i'm not very articulate i wish i could be more articulate about my my thoughts and feelings and i guess that's the point of this whole episode for me is what annoys me about it is that yeah there is no discussion here it is just ranting you know it's rachel ranting at ross it's the girls ranting at each other because of this book right it's not them going well the book says this I agree with it. And, you know, Phoebe going, well, actually, you know, it's a bit more nuanced than that. And them going, oh, okay, that's good. Let's hear both sides of it and form our own opinion. Yeah, I think, I mean, for most of it, it's for comedic effect. But I think this episode would have been a lot better if you'd essentially had another man in the dynamic. So say Phoebe was dating someone Hmm. and Phoebe and Phoebe's boyfriend had a very much screechy, screaming each other, no real conversation debate about it where they just attacked each other's position. And then you had Ross and Rachel actually have a constructive conversation where they're trying to understand Eva's perspective and at the end of the episode Phoebe and whatever his name is Steve break up because they haven't actually taken the time to listen to each other whereas Ross and Rachel are closer than ever because they've actually managed to discuss it and have a conversation I feel like if that had been in the episode it may have been like oh this is a classic episode of Friends where it's I think I think we kind of get it a little bit because you do have Phoebe right at the end of, of that clip turning being like well Rachel what about you doing that like surely you have done that and she's like, well, maybe. And then obviously Monica jumps in. They all jump on each other, basically going, well, you know, you're not, none of you are perfect. Yeah. It just, but to me, this book fails because it's turning them against each other yes. when it shouldn't be. That's, that's not constructive. Yeah. But we leave the uh, awkward politics conversation. We're back at Joey's and all these tacky decorations are being removed because he can't afford to keep them with his visa bill. Well, I wouldn't say decorations. Like he's. Because that makes it sound like it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, all, all his furniture and belongings that he bought for his brand new fancy apartment, right? They're mostly tacky and gross. Um, but Ross arrives to apologise about having a go about money and to tell Joey how much respect he has for him for not going to that stupid cab driver audition. And Joey tells him he went, and Ross does a completely supportive 180, asking how it went. I, uh, yeah, I love that. I love it's that. absolutely amazing. <laughs> I mean, you've, I've kind of done, you've done similar things in the past where you've been like, like you know, oh... I, I mean, I've had friends who've told me they're going to break up with their partner. Yep. Um, and then I've been like, I had to break up, go, you're finally free of that old bitch or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then they've gone, we worked it out. And I'm like, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, Damn, I was, I was being disappointed the other way there. Um, exactly right. You know, I, I think it's absolutely amazing. But, you know, Ross is a supportive friend. I guess the, the problem Ross has is he's a bit too controlling and wants to fix things. Yeah. And certainly with Definitely. Rachel, right? And he... He goes a bit too far, but yeah, he, he is a good friend in that regard. Yes, but Ross tries to be supportive in, you know, Joey's hour of need. But Joey becomes really upset that his glass parrot is being taken away. And Ross decides to be a supportive hero, step in and buy the bird for Joey. 
of the bird was $1,200. That's so much money, right? I, the only thing in my life I've ever spent more money on, my current OLED TV. <laughs> yep. Phones have come close, but yeah, but it's, just, it's such an obscene yeah. amount of money for a decorative piece. Like, at least my telly has a function. Well, the, the, well, this is where we get back to the discussion of trying to figure out how much Joey was earning. Like, on one hand, maybe he's in massive debt now, can't afford any of this. On the other hand, maybe he was actually earning, like, good money and could basically afford to pay for this. You're like, wow, like, you're earning so much money that you could just spend $1,200 on a glass bird because it was at the counter. And that's not the only thing he bought. If he bought just that, Maybe that could be okay, right? He bought a lot of stuff. Yeah, he did. But Ross sends the bird away immediately upon learning its price. But instead he buys Joey the dog for $200, which to be honest, looks like it should be worth more than the bird. And it's great as it's such an iconic prop. Yeah, and we've, we've discussed this in a previous episode how it's one of uh, Jennifer Aniston's friends that, that gave it to her and she put it in the show for some reason. And now it's just part of the show. Like, the show. like I almost wonder if it, she was like, I don't like this. How do I get rid of it in a nice, positive way? Yeah. And then, you know, you've got, I mean, if you're that friend, you've then got that story to tell. So you guys, I remember yeah. the dog from Friends, but like, gave that to Jen, I did. <laughs> you feel like, you know, you're part of the show's history. But it, it is a bit weird for Ross to spend $200. Like $200 is a lot of money, especially 95 Yeah. To, you know, surely giving Joey $200 would have been way better than trying to get that dog back. Well, this is a thing I often wonder about when it comes to people or finances. And it's one of the things that I guess you can apply to sitcom characters for the most part. They don't have hobbies. People on TV, and a lot of people I know, don't really have hobbies. I have too many hobbies. So when I'm skint at the end of the month, it's because I've invested poorly in like seven of my 15 hobbies and i'm going yeah. damn i bought too much um i needed to buy more locks for my lock picking yeah, kit. <laughs> i need to get more padlocks to get my skills up um but i've got some friends who don't really have that many hobbies and they've always got cash and i'm like are you not bored it's like you go to work you come home you do the same thing every night like where's that like why have you got more hobbies and i've got plenty of hobbies i'm like well you don't know do you you've got like this in the gym it doesn't count the gym's not a hobby um and i just get a bit and i'm just like it's not a hobby like you know TCGs are a hobby. Warhammer's yeah. a hobby. You know, Exercise, uh, yeah. Exercising is barely a hobby. Hiking's a hobby. Right outside yeah. doing it. Doing that in a room with people doing that isn't a hobby to me. Exercising has a... It'd be like going, eating's my hobby. It's like, no, that's a thing to, you know, keep you going. Yeah, so all we really see Ross do is go to work, buy coffee and food. That's not that expensive. So he might have a bit of cash for right? I, being, I reckon he's got dinosaur magazines every month. Probably. I mean, who doesn't love dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah. This is a random tangent. But at the time of recording, tomorrow, so it'll be out now when you listen to this, there's a, a new dinosaur documentary on Apple TV+. And it looks great. Oh, yeah. It's, it looks like it's... Uh, Walking with Dinosaurs was like the big one a few years ago. It looks like more of that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is a John Favreau done one, so it should be really, really cool. I'm like the Lion King, but dinosaurs. So better. Anyway. <laughs> but, but, just, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, Ross, you know... We don't know about any of Ross's friends or what he gets up to. And yeah, he probably is earning quite well and probably just, just has money. Yeah, like none of them have hobbies or actively collect anything. You're not like, oh, you know, Joey hasn't got a weird signed baseball card collection or anything. You'd no. expect there to be some hobby. Now, th- this is the problem with, with TV, though, isn't it? Where, you know, they have no money, but they live in central Manhattan in a fancy apartment that they can't afford. And, you know, they're able to, you know, go on holidays that are really expensive just on a whim and, and stuff. And, you know, Joey has no money yet somehow can, you know, afford to live with Chandler, who's happy to pay for him. 
like it's all it's all weird when it comes to money in TV sitcoms. Like they either have, you know, not enough to be able to do the things they're doing, or somehow they end up with a load of money, but they don't explain how they've got it. Yeah, it's just there. I assume that's Rossi. He's got no hobbies that we actively see, so we can afford to buy Joey yeah. a dog. Um, but now we're back at Central Park. Rachel's working, and the girls aren't talking to each other. And Rachel tries to smooth things over with cake. And the girls make up, and it's all cute. But then Rachel takes the cakes back, and she doesn't want to have to pay for them because they'll come out of her paycheck, <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah. It's like, peace offering. <laughs> we got peace. Okay, give them back. <laughs> yeah. uh, you have to pay for that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then Chandler pops in to tell them that the psycho is gone, but Eddie's actually outside the window of Central Park holding a human head. It's actually a mannequin. Uh, he stole from Macy's, which is still weird. Uh, and then Eddie tells the gang an entirely made-up story about he and Chandler in Vegas and how he bought him some shoes. Chandler needs to get rid of this nutter, and he has a plan. I know. May I help you? <laughs> Why doesn't my key work and what's all my stuff doing downstairs? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> Have we met? It's Eddie, you freak, your roommate. Well, I'm sorry, I, uh... I already have a roommate. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I've, he's lived here for years. I don't... I don't know what you're talking about, man. Because, <laughs> uh... No, he, he moved out, and I moved in. Well, I, I think we'd remember something like that. <laughs> I know I would. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, okay, well, I guess I got the wrong apartment then. <laughs> I'm, I, look, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Hey, no problem. See ya. <laughs> Goodbye, you fruit-drying psychopath. <laughs> Sir, you want me to help you unpack your stuff? Nah, nah, I'm okay. Oh, and uh, just so you know, I'm not moving back in because I have to. Well, I mean, I do have to, but... <laughs> it's just that, that that place, it wasn't really... I mean, this is... Welcome home, man. Yes, he's back. He is, but... Let's let's talk about Eddie one last time. He has these weird moments of being like very lucid, I guess. Yeah. And like fully aware of everything that's going on and then just flips and just goes. I want to know how he got with Tilly and why she broke up with him. I mean you met Eddie, right? I did. But but <laughs> I, I do I do want to know kind of I would love to know what happened. There's gotta be a thing that happened, right? Uh but yeah, he, he's like an interesting character in that regard, because like there are these moments where He's just perfectly normal, perfectly nice, right? And, you know, even the mannequin head, you're like, I could imagine, like, certain friends being like, look what I, like, swiped, look what I've got, yeah? Yeah. You might go, okay, that's weird, but kind of funny. But, yeah, he he's very creepy. And then just the way that, you know, the way you fight, like, crazy is to be crazy yourself, right? So, so John does like, no, you don't live here. And someone else already lives here. He's here, is it in here? That makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, the plan wouldn't work on anyone but Eddie, I guess. Like, Eddie's crazy enough to fall for your crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very weird plan, but it was cool. Yeah. And I liked the sweet moment of them hugging, which you obviously can't hear in a clip, but... No, no, definitely. Like, I, 
I think like this is kind of a nice way for him to come back because it would have been a bit weird if it was like, hey, come move back in now. It's just nice. It's just, he's just there. It's back to normal. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. And then the guys play some foosball, but the ball is gone. Um, they have to use some dried fruit. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Cool. I mean, you know, it's Eddie's legacy. Um, and then they have to bring the dog out because Ross is coming over and Chandler's <laughs> standing at the rear of the dog and it looks very uh, suggestive. <laughs> uh, and he carries the dog a different way. And then we get the end of the episode. It's all done. Yeah. Uh, I think that's like a, a funny joke to go out on. Yeah, yeah it's a very nice sight gag, but no. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely um, a lot of jokes about being in the, the right position, isn't there? Certainly with Ross and Joey when they're going down the fire escape in later episodes. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to be like face to face? Face to face, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I kind of like the whole Eddie kind of like side story. Uh, yes. it's it's a bit out there, a little bit weird. The actor, you know, plays him perfectly. Absolutely great. I kind of wish we would get a bit more Eddie because when you boil it down, you see very little of Eddie. You don't really get to know him as a person. Like he goes from just normal to weird very yeah. quickly. Um, the only thing is this whole episode has the whole book thing. I really don't like it. I mean... And, and I, feel, I feel like we've discussed it enough in this podcast. Yeah, I, I guess. Feeling, so, I mean, it's just—I don't mind it, but Eddie stands out. The book's forgettable. Like, if yeah. you'd have, if you'd have said to me two months ago, I'd be like, Ryan, are you in Windbearer? I'd be like, Mark, what the hell are you on about? It wouldn't, I wouldn't immediately go, Oh yeah, friends. Well, I, I feel like it does have like some classic lines like that. Yeah. Um, and you know the 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 forest garden. <laughs> well, like <laughs> uh, certainly you say, you know, um, to someone who's into friends, you know how can I grow or let me blow like it's a funny line there, there is some some funny funniness with it but I just kind of hate the whole storyline because it's it's just needlessly mean to like everyone well there's no I guess there's no real resolution to it either like they bring no. it all up in this giant storm of emotion and then it's just forgotten yeah I, I do think it's very much of the time certainly Around that time was, was, like I said, like you had girl power and you certainly did have like these books being massive for the time. So I think it, it was very much like a 1996 cultural thing. Yeah, from the way it's picked up and put down, I get the sense that the writers were very much like, do we hate these books? This whole thing is stupid. Yes. Let's, let's find a way to poke fun at it. Um, and that's why it doesn't drag on or carry on because plus it's not particularly a comedic topic, is it? There's not a lot of comedy in no. the, the imbalance of power between genders. Like, oh, okay. It's great material for us to come. No, so uh, yeah, as, as a you know a free parter, having Eddie in was all right. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very entertaining to watch, no matter how creepy he is and how how legitimately terrifying Eddie would be in real life. Yeah, like Eddie would terrify me in real life. If someone walked into a coffee shop and told people a story about how we'd been to Vegas and hadn't and we hadn't, yeah. I'd legitimately be behind him behind Gunther at that point. I'd be like, <laughs> what is this psycho? Like, no way, this is insane. As but, as a sitcom character, he's great. But then the whole, you know, Joey moving out thing, I kind of feel like it didn't have a lot of time to breathe. Because, you know, first episode of, of this kind of like storyline is him moving out. Second one is him moved out. Third one, he's back again. Like there, there's not enough departure for like him to kind of be living his own life, for Chandler to be living his own life. Yeah, neither of them really grow apart. Not as in like, you know, they drift apart as in they don't grow as people separately. It's very much just, oh, he's not here now. And then we get like a night, we get, a, well, the first episode we get a bit of, 
Oh, it's sad that they're apart. And well, it's, it's, it's the couple were apart, yeah. which is weird. And then this episode, we get a nice like, oh, welcome back, bro. And you get like a bit of bromance moment at the end, which is sweet. But yeah, in terms of did anything really develop as characters between the two of them or individually over the episodes? No. no. So I get what you're saying. So yeah, this is a an episode of two halves, I guess. A bit yeah. like the foosball table. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, to me, it's not... They're not classic episodes, but there were plenty of standout moments and most oh, of them yeah. belong to Eddie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, Eddie's a character you remember, just, just the same as Marcel, right? Uh, even though Marcel didn't have that many episodes either. Who do you prefer, Marcel or Eddie? <laughs> Eddie? Eddie is funnier to watch. Marcel is probably better to live with, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, who, who, who doesn't want to, like, come and see your monkey? I mean, I don't know, would you rather have someone hump everything you own or watch you sleep? <laughs> well, I've got that right here with you as my co-host. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Yeah, I'm not humping things in the office, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> and I don't watch Mark sleep. I would definitely fall asleep first. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's a good episode, just not, not yeah. groundbreaking or mind-blowing. No. More wind. But still. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be moving on to episode 20. Next the week. one where old Yeller dies. Uh, but before then, I guess we should do our socials. So um, I guess everyone's going to be turning off now, but probably shouldn't. No. Nope. We do have some important things to say sometimes. Sometimes we have some really good conversations, and sometimes we just say the socials. What's today going to be? I think it's just going to be the socials. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so go on, go on, Ryan. Tell it, tell us where they can find us. This is like the impromptu friends quiz we had last episode, where you just asked me a bunch of random questions. Can't I have more <laughs> random trivia? Unless can I remember the social media? Right. Watch Friends Pod right. on we, Twitter. We we have done like over fifty episodes at this point. You should know it by now. The, you know the audience out there are saying it right now. They're like, watch Friends Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Watchingfriends.com for the emails. I'm sure our listeners have much lovelier voices than they that. They probably market. do. Right? <laughs> and secondly, I'm going to use friends to justify why I don't know the socials. And I'm going to use a feeble line of, well, I don't call me. I don't <laughs> use our socials to tweet at us. So I forget what they are. You should be using the socials. I don't like social media. <laughs> can we, can we, well, join our Patreon so we can hire a social media manager. That's what we, we need a community manager. Because we, we have some really nice patrons that have been messaging us. I've, I've enjoyed chatting to them on Patreon. Um, yeah, so you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. I'm going to say that one because that one's really important. Yep. I don't want you screwing that one up. There's watchingfriends.com where you can send comments and nice things about how great we are. You can. So, yeah, you can, you can email us and tell us what you think about this episode and the characters or, you know, even the book, right? We do read out every message that we get. Um, but, yeah, we've, we've had some nice conversations on Patreon. Uh, did a little impromptu poll to find out what our patrons want to hear from us in future. Uh, they basically just said everything. Nice. <laughs> uh, which is a broad topic to let's start do, with. Let's do an option for fewer Ryan tangents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, come and join us there. Help support us. Uh, it helps to pay for this show that we do for you for free. Uh, you can join from £1 or $1 a month. So less than a, a coffee at Central Perk. You know, and we give you, you know, content four times a month, right? That's I, th- I, I, think that's, I, I think that's worth a quid at least, right? I think it's worth more than that, but we'll uh, take the quid. Well, well certainly, <laughs> they, they, they can do the, the five pound up tier where you get extra content. So you get, you know, at least five episodes from us a month. So you, get, you, get, you get at least one bonus episode, if not more. 
Uh, and you get ad-free versions of this podcast, so you don't have to get your phone out and push the skip 30 seconds button on your, your podcast <laughs> app, right? Uh, and then you also get to basically help shape the show. So, you know, if you enjoy our content, you know, consider supporting us, even if it's just for one month, you know, it all helps us. It does. Um, so, yeah, you can write to us, as Ryan said, on socials and everything. Um you can also find me at fuzzballs.co where I draw cute animals. You should go and buy some stuff there. Help support me personally there. Ryan doesn't get any of that money. No, I give you money. I've got plenty of fuzzballs <laughs> yeah. things. Um, you can also find it in retailers as well. So it's in like Hot Topic in America and HMV in the UK and Forbidden Planet. Uh, yeah, help support me there. I do point it out and shout about it really loudly when I walk into a shop. When no one else is there, I bet. <laughs> I just don't care. I'll just go, fuzzball! Like really point just to see if anyone turns and looks and then yeah there you go and we'll get some commission <laughs> i haven't noticed any extra sales i'll try harder okay and where else can we find you ryan as always you can find me at gamehype.co.uk for all nerdy reviews and shenanigans and you can also find me on the hype from outer heaven podcast do you have different tangents do you have a lot of stories i guess so i guess if they want to get to know all your life not just your friend's side they need to listen to that as well. Yeah, there are a lot fewer tangents on that because there's four of us on the Hope From Out Heaven podcast. There's less space for tangents. Well, we do hope to get a third person in here very soon. Yes. Uh, don't know if we're going to have a, a standard third person or rotating guests or whatever, but whatever we have, um, yeah, there'll be less room for Ryan tangents, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, given who the first guest is probably going to shape up to be, there'll probably be tangents about me. I just won't be telling I, them. I, I almost feel like we need a, an episode, which isn't Friends-related, it's just about our guest, and them coming on and describing who they are and their relationship to you. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, look forward to that. So, you know, our patrons are helping us to basically fund getting on an extra guest, basically, which is really cool. Um, I'm really looking forward to having our guest on the near future so make sure you stay subscribed to us i guess she's very excited if i was chatting to her about it yesterday it will definitely be nice to have like a woman's opinion on this show for sure yeah uh so yeah till next week then i guess cheerio goodbye <laughs>